Our scripture reading today is from Acts 8, 1 through 8. It's on page 916 in your black Bibles. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And there was much joy in that city. My name is Phil Edwards, one of the pastors here at SOMA. Uh, we do have some new faces, and, and I serve as one of the pastors, and my primary uh, responsibility is community development, so I rotate between all three of our congregations, downtown, uh, Midtown, which is in the uh, Glendale Mall area, uh, 62nd Street, and also recently we launched our, our Northwest Church plant. So we're three churches. We're a family of neighborhood churches uh, with the desire uh, to live on mission with the message and mercy of Jesus and our desires for our city to flourish for the glory of God. And we're in our preaching series uh, here at Soma and today's sermon. It's the same text that we're using at all three congregations. It's simply the theme is about flourishing. So I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Father God, we are grateful uh, that we could be here today. And thank you for just all that we've experienced thus far. And I just pray that you would help us to come to the place where we are here with you, that we're present, and that we would have our palms up and our hearts open to receive your word and to do according to your Holy Spirit. For your name's sake, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Boy, I, I wish I was like Philip, who, when he went and preached the gospel, uh, miracles and wonders happened. I wish I was like Philip, now my name is Phil, but not Philip, that I could preach the word and the masses of people in the crowds would be clamoring at their feet or in their seats and saying, give us more, give us more, and people getting saved and, and the city and people rejoicing and in in the city flourishing. I wish I could have that type of effect. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will do something really great through this time preaching. Now, I have to say this before we get into the word. I, I, I'm very expressive. I'm loud. And, and it's not because I'm African-American, just as my personality. I'm just loud. Uh, so I want to say that. And man, what a, what a joy it is for us to, uh, to be here to look at the scriptures and to really to see what God has in place for us, what he has in store for us. So there was this persecution going on in the church. 
And Stephen, a man filled with the Spirit, he's preaching the truth, and, and folk want to take him out. They're stoning him. They killed him. Why was this going on? So the church was persecuted because the Old Testament believers who read and followed the teachings of Moses, the law of Moses, and when they heard Stephen and the other disciples preach about Jesus being the Messiah, the one who came to fulfill all prophecy, the one who came to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, well, that was an affront to them. That was a, a challenge to them because in the Judaizers, they believed that the Messiah, the real Messiah, would come. And when he came, he would, the world would be over. That would end all the time. But if the world wasn't over and Jesus was on the scene, he claimed to be the Messiah. So it's like, what the world? You're preaching heresy. And they stoned him. And there were some, in, in the research that I did, there were some that believed because Stephen and Philip, you remember in Acts 6, we're not going to preach on that, but you remember in Acts 6 when there was an issue, there was some murmuring going on with the, the widows, among the widows. The uh, Grecian widows were complaining that the Hebrew or Hebraic widows were having more of the uh, daily allowance, more of the resources than they were receiving. And so, you know, Peter, I'm sorry, Philip and Stephen and four others, uh, the others rather, they in turn were assigned to take care of that matter. So they had a, a benevolence fund. A mercy fund makes sure there was equality. And so some of the leaders at that, in that day felt like Stephen and the boys were kind of given some allegiance or leave it given some thought and, and putting emphasis on the Hebraic Jews. What are they doing letting these folk come into the house? Now, the Gentiles were, were not a part of the church at that time, but because Stephen and others were looking at the need of the others, they said that some of the leaders had problems with that. So the man was stoned. He was stoned. People lamenting, heartache, and even with Stephen, I love his, to the end, I love his final words as, as he's being stoned. He looked up to heaven, <laughs> and he sees the Lord, and he proclaims truth, and he glorified God, even within the persecution. And then while he's about to breathe his last breath, he said, Lord, forgive them for what they have done. A man filled with the Spirit. But then what about the rest of the people? Christian homes were ravaged, Saul did it. Went into the homes and teared it up, disturbing, disturbing the, their peace. And he intruded upon their space and, and uprooted them and put, put the men and women in prison. Said nothing about the kids. I don't know where the kids were. But can only imagine the fear, the heartache, the turmoil that these followers of Christ experienced during this time, during the persecution of the church. God scattered them. And you know, truth be told, God scatters us. He takes us out of our own comfort, as he did with the, with the, with the uh, disciples, excuse me. Took them out of their comfort, and they're already running, kind of discombobulated, but when they're running, they had a, a purpose in mind. And that's what we're going to talk about, what happened with, with old Philip when he was running. Yeah. So Philip understood that as Scripture would have it in Acts 1.8, it says that God says, he said, we will be witnesses. The church would be witnesses, and they will be filled with the Spirit, and then he would call them out to preach the good news 
in, Samaria, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this was being fulfilled. This is prophecy. But Philip and those guys didn't have any clue that they would be doing it under persecution. Now, let me just say this for a minute. I said it in the first service. I come from an African-American church. And in the African-American church, and we're a little expressive. And sometimes in the church, we have individuals in the audience that would say amen when the preacher preached truth. And so I want you to know that it's all right to say amen when the truth is spoken. Amen? amen. I didn't speak truth on that, but you did say it. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was an encouragement to me. But it's true that there's nothing wrong with us affirming the brother when we, he or she or he is preaching the good news. Amen? You did good. So I have three questions that I want us to ponder. Three questions. That is, why did Philip go to the city? What did Philip do in the city? What was the result of his work in the city? Philip went into the city because he wanted to transform lives of people and so that the people could experience joy in the Lord. Peter, or rather Philip, went to Jerusalem, or rather, boy, I tell you what, he went to uh, Samaria so that he can in turn witness before God because there were people who hadn't heard the truth. This would be the entrance of the Gentiles into the church. So though he was persecuted, running for his life, but he had joy in sharing the good news to those who were lost. Amen. And when he got there, when he got there, as God used him as his instrument of peace, as God used him to advance his kingdom, he went there running. He went there looking for opportunities to share the good news. Now, I'm going to talk about or refer to the good news a few times. And if you don't know what the good news is, let me just help you understand just a little bit of what it is. The good news is this, but God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. And if any of us have received that good news and we've made Jesus our Savior because he called out to us, he pursued us, then we should be excited about our relationship with him. Amen. So excited that maybe you can be as loud as I am. Now, 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 I know that some of us, before I get back to the text here, I know that some of us came to faith when we were kids. And maybe we just simply believed the gospel when we heard it, when the parents shared it with us uh, in the womb. And we came out and we just kind of heard about this Jesus. And then when we were of age, we say, I want Jesus. I don't know why, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I don't dismiss that if a person understands what they're doing. Amen. But then you got those of us, perhaps you came to faith at a later age. Maybe you were going through some stuff in your life and, and you had to really wrestle with your reality, your struggle and your challenge. And then you just said, Lord, have mercy on me. And then you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then you started getting excited about what he'd done for you because you know you weren't what you used to be. And then you saw the hope that was only in Christ and you got excited about that. Is, is, is that some of you in this room? I'm one of those individuals. So excited you get to running and telling everybody about Jesus. 
you start gossiping on Jesus. So do you know about this man who told me things I didn't know about myself? You know about this man who came and he died on the cross for my sins. He gave me an opportunity to know him in a personal way. Let me tell you what he's done for me. I did that going to my family, telling to the aunties and mama them, and just said, let me tell you about Jesus. Everywhere I went in the community, let me tell you about Jesus because I had a hope. This sermon isn't about Phil. Well, it is about Philip, though. And so the reality, though, is that there has to be, there's a response of gratitude. And the reason why we have the passion to serve and to share the good news. Amen? Amen. Not only because we are called to do it, but because we want to do it. Because we know what the saving grace of God has done in our hearts, and we want other people to experience the same. That's why we do it. So Philip. Philip came across the sorcerer. Came across the magician. So you see in the text where people, they were demon-possessed, and they were delivered. People were, were all about the magic, okay, the magician here, and they were delivered, we believe. And, and then there were those who were lame, and they were able to walk. And so when he's preaching the truth, the, the Holy Spirit is working, people are getting healed, people are being uh, freed and delivered from their possession, right, demon possession, right? And then they're able to experience the joy of the Lord. So Philip goes to the musician, and he shares with him, says that in that we talk about that in, in Acts 8, verses 9 through 25. So Philip led Simon, the sorcerer, to the Lord. Verse 13, even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. So Philip's excited, and he's still looking for opportunities. Though he's coming from a persecuted state, though he's coming from the church being on the run, he's still pursuing opportunities to share the good news. Huh? So he comes across the Ethiopian eunuch. Huh. Let me tell you about that Ethiopian eunuch. So he was actually uh, a part of the court official for Candace. Candace was the queen of the Ethiopians. uh, And he was in charge of her treasure. Now, I don't know if you know much about eunuchs. And I won't go too deep into that. They have some disabilities. And, And they weren't people who... Uh, folk really respected in society. And they couldn't hold certain jobs, so there were some jobs that people could trust them with, especially pertaining to watching over the women. They, they knew they wouldn't be a threat, and so they had those types of responsibility, or they just waited on people at their bedside. Not a threat. But then Candace, his boss, tells the Ethiopian eunuch to go to Jerusalem and to worship God. And so while he's in his chariot, the Ethiopian, uh, is in his the eunuch is in his chariot. He's reading the law of Moses. And while he's in this chariot, headed towards Jerusalem, going to church, y'all, reading the law, then Philip, led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, gets a hold of him, and he runs towards the chariot. He gets in the chariot. He explains to the, the eunuch what he was reading, and the eunuch got saved. Verse 35 in Acts 8. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the, his script, the scriptures, excuse me, he told him the good news about Jesus, verse 39. And the eunuch was baptized, and they came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. So when, when, the, when, when the gospel is shared, people's lives are transformed, and there's reason for there to be some rejoicing. Amen. 
when people's lives are transformed, there's a need for us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's what we do when we come to church on Sunday. We sing praises to God. We rejoice. You were singing earlier. I heard you. And you're singing the words of, yes, I have a reason to rejoice because God has saved me. He didn't just save you for, the, for you to look pretty and put you on the shelf, though. But he called us to go out and to share the good news with others, as Philip did. Philip led the way in advancing the kingdom of God. Philip moved by the Spirit, and he witnessed in Jerusalem as well as Samaria. And the church grew in numbers. Soma, we're located here in Willard Park in Tier neighborhoods on the near east side. And God didn't just bring us here as a church just for convenience because we want to be downtown or in the near east side in an up-and-coming community. Some might challenge me on that. But God called us to be salt and light to represent him in this space. And he calls us to share the good news to those whom we encounter. He calls us to share the good news with those in this neighborhood. It's so easy as a church to be comfortable and to enjoy the fellowship. Love it. To enjoy the preaching, I hope. But we lose sight of the social ills or issues or challenges in our community, in our city. I believe this. Our city is beautiful. It looks good. I, I love the art community. Don't understand it. But I can appreciate the art, right? I'm downtown yesterday at the library, and they have this cultural art uh, part of the building. They have an author that was signing, filling, filling, signing his book or what have you. A lot of people. Boy, I hadn't seen so many black folk at the library that I saw yesterday. It was unbelievable. I mean, so I just had to say that. And boy, it, it was just, um, I was like, what's going on? You know, I'm from Atlanta with a whole lot more black people. So I didn't get a response on that, but I'm just being me. <laughs> it's all right to laugh. It's all right to smile. Okay. Preach the word, Phil. Preach the word. <laughs> Indianapolis is a beautiful place. I'm, look, I'm on the third floor. I look out and I can see the city layout, all the buildings and the people. And it was a beautiful day yesterday, amen. Sun was shining, people were out, and we're just getting our sun on. And, and I'm thinking, but if we believe that that is how we describe flourishing, then I think we're going to miss something here because it has nothing to do with people's souls. It has nothing to do with the hurt that people are experiencing. It has nothing to do with the bondage that people are going through. It has nothing to do with the separation that we experience in our city. But what it has, what flourishing has to be about is not just brick and mortar, but about souls coming to faith, about souls being saved. Amen? That's what flourishing is all about, and that's what Philip's mission was all about. The Spirit of the Lord was with Philip, and he was on a mission. Second question. What did Philip do in the city? He lived on mission with the message and mercy of Jesus. Oh, that sounds familiar. That's kind of what we believe as a church. God has called us to live on mission, to live in neighborhoods, to work in the workplace, to live where we can be salt and light, where we share not only the message, the good news, but we share the mercy of Jesus Christ. God, who is sovereign, and in complete control of all aspects of our lives, he doesn't have to tell us every step of the way when he calls us out. 
regardless of where we are moving to, as we consider where we work, as we consider where we play, we have to trust that because God is our Lord and Savior, for those of us who name the name of Jesus, that we are called by him to go and to be salt and light and to share the message of Jesus Christ everywhere we go, even if we don't like being there. Even if we're having heartache, even if you feel like you've been persecuted on the job, if that's what God has called you to be, then he calls us to be faithful there, to faithfully be there with him, with them, praying for them, interceding on their behalf, sharing with them. That's what it means to be on mission for the message of Jesus. Philip was led by the Holy Spirit when he went out to the unit. He was led by the Holy Spirit when he ministered to the magician. Sometimes, y'all, I'll be real with you, it is quite challenging and frustrating when we are called to serve or to share the gospel. It's hard sometimes in our desire to do that and making that happen. It's hard for us to do it, in other words. I'm speaking about something today that perhaps I hope and I pray right now that you don't feel guilty about not sharing the good news, but that you would be reminded that this is what God called us to, brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light so that we might be witnesses of, of Christ and that we might share what God has done for us so that others can experience the same. Don't want you to feel guilty, but want you to be aware that this is what he calls us to do. But it's challenging. I remember, here's a little illustration. I remember sharing so excited in my 20s and sharing the gospel. And in the old day, we would go knock on people's doors. How many of you guys did that? Young, oh, we got some hands. They're older people too, by the way. So we go knocking on people's doors, especially in housing complexes or what have you. And, and so going out with another brother, and it was one Saturday uh, morning or so, and knocking on doors and people are not opening the doors. They're having all, they make all these excuses. Uh, it's not a good time right now. We're part of a church. Uh, I'm not interested. And just really frustrated and just kind of feeling like I'm rejected. No one likes being rejected, right? And so just felt rejected. Say, Lord, why aren't people getting saved? You said that I'm supposed to go out. You said that you were call all men unto yourself, but why aren't people responding? But continue to knock. And that was challenging. Then I had a frustrating moment, too, real quick. So as we're knocking on doors, and, and if, they, if they weren't home, and we would put those little tracks. How many of you guys know what tracks are? Those little pamphlets, right? And, and we put those little tracks behind the mailbox. You don't put them in the mailbox, not registered mail. Don't put them in the mailbox. <laughs> Part of the training, Evangelism 101. <laughs> as I'm putting it behind the lady's mailbox in the apartment, she's coming down the stairs from her neighbor's house, and she was like, don't put that in my mailbox. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. Well, can I give it to you? I don't want that. I said, I'm just here to share the good news. I don't want to hear about no good news. I said, oh, I'm sorry. And at this point, people, are, this is the hood. And people are looking and turning around and saying, what's going on? And I'm a little embarrassed thinking, why, could, why, are, you make, why are you talking so loud to me? <laughs> now, 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 we are called to speak the truth in love. And just because we're Christians, we've got to be wise as serpent, but humble as dogs. But let me tell you something. I said to her, ma'am. Don't talk to me like that. In the name of Jesus, don't, don't talk to me like that. 
I smiled. Please don't talk to me like that. You show me some respect. And she just continued. And, and I, at that point, I could have just gone on. I could have just said, I'm done with this. I'm embarrassed. And, and she's just, and, and it's not working for me. I'm already frustrated. So then I said, I'm going to go up to your neighbor. I'm talking to her because she's talking. That's well, I'm just going to go up to your neighbor's apartment. If you want to hear the gospel, I'm going to kick the dust off my feet and move on upstairs. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. I didn't tell her that. And then she said, she don't want to hear that stuff either. And I said, well, I'm going. And I went up the stairs, no lie. Share with her friend. And she was like, yes, I want to receive Jesus. The enemy has his way of discouraging us because we are afraid of rejection. We are afraid of confrontation. And so in order to avoid the fear and avoid the rejection and avoid the confrontation, we simply don't go. We simply don't speak. What hinders us from sharing the gospel? Is it the fear? Is it the fear of rejection? Is it? I just want to understand where you're coming from. Is it that you don't want to be, you know, confrontational? I just want us to be together. I just want us to laugh and, and smile and, and we don't have to have this conversation. Let's not disagree. How many of us are that way? Don't raise your hand. We're just that way. We're that way. In fact, have you ever, even if you haven't stepped towards someone, have you ever ever prayed for someone that you knew were in need? And maybe you knew they were in need and you did step their way and you prayed for them and they were healed. Now, I'm not saying you were able to do what Philip did in the day. I'm not saying you were able to pray over the lame and the lame got up and said, whoa, hallelujah, I can walk now. I'm not saying that you were able to, uh, uh, to deliver someone who was demons possessed. But I have experienced at least a little bit where I prayed for someone and they were healed. I'm thinking, oh, wow, why was I surprised? You see, we have the authority that God has given us in his word. Matthew 28, 16 says that, that all power is given in his hand, in the hands of Jesus. And he tells us to go, therefore, and preach to all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them what I've taught you. And lo, yes, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so we have the authoritative gospel, authoritative truth given to us by Jesus. And not only that, we have the Holy Spirit who does the saving, by the way, who, who calls us out, who changes hearts. And as we speak the uh, inspired word given by the, the Savior for us to share, then the, sa the, the Spirit of God moves on their hearts and they get saved. It's not about us, really. It's about our obedience, our willingness to allow God to use us, to work through us, so that his will is done, so his kingdom is advanced. That's what it's about. All right. It's not easy walking with people that are not followers of Christ. But God calls us to commit to the law. And it's not comfortable. And it may take you places where you would never think you'd go. It's here in Indianapolis. We live in a community that has quite a few homosexuals. They're our neighbors. We love our neighbors. One of our neighbors who, who had a fall in his house, and he bled in his brain, and he died. We loved our neighbor. And we went to his uh, service, the memorial. And they had, and there were so many of the gay community represented there, but we were there to honor the loss and the, the partner of the one who, who died. And then they had a six-month 
memory of you service and memory of service, that was at the 507 Tavern on College in Michigan. It's a gay bar. And had never gone into a gay bar. My wife and I went into the gay bar. And they weren't ready for the reception, which was upstairs, they called the upper room. So we left out of there and went across the street to a restaurant, a Lockerbie uh, Square restaurant there. And another neighbor who was there waiting for that, uh, the, 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 the service, he said, now, I want you to know, he knew we were Christians. I want you to know what that is. I, I kind of gathered that much. When we walked in the door, all heads turned towards us, and they were all guys. That was weird for me. So we had an out. We had already gone there. They weren't ready. We were early, and we didn't have to go back into the bar. We did. We went into the bar, went upstairs to the, what they call the upper room, and they had stuff up there. I'll just leave it at that. And of course, I'm feeling like, what would people think if they saw the minister going into a gay bar? Thank God I got my wife with me. That's wisdom. Don't go out alone. Okay? Stay there for a short time. Get to, get to the point. This is what God calls us to. The hard reality of going places where we would not, wouldn't naturally go to. But because we love Jesus, and he calls us to love the city and the people in the city, the messed up people, and that would include us too, by the way. But because he calls us to pursue them, we go to places that we wouldn't go to, but we go wisely, stay for 15 minutes. And all that to say, I'm going to shorten this, start, this part of the story up. As a result of doing that, we had another friend who was a part of that family, that household, pursued us, was really thankful that we were there with him through their hard times. And they came, he came to us when he was having a struggle because he trusted us. So that process could be long. The Spirit of the Lord is working on him. And it may mean that we continue to pray and we continue to step in that direction. Maybe it takes four or five years, but we're committed to the call. We're committed to the mission because God calls us to live on mission with the message and mercy of Jesus Christ. Oh, we got time as long as God has time. As long as he gives us time. As long as he gives us life, we wake up and he calls us to be present where he calls us to and we are to be there relying upon him. Okay. Third question. What was the result of the work that God did through Philip? There was great joy in the city. There was great joy. People came to faith, and there was joy in the city. There was joy for the good of their souls through the preaching of the gospel. There was joy for healing and supernatural deliverance for demons, for demonic spirits and strongholds. Deliverance. I don't know if there are any of you who have been delivered. I don't know if there are any of you who are being delivered. Delivered from pornography. Delivered from same-sex attraction. Delivered from uh, homosexuality or whatever it may be. See, the church is a place for all people to come into. It's a place where you ought to be loved by those inside the house. And we love you with the love that Jesus gives us because we know that had it not been by his grace, that we would not be saved today. So we have no right to look down on people that may be struggling right now. But we have a responsibility to speak truth and to lead people and direct them to what the word says, direct them to Jesus 
so they can receive the powerful love and the passion and the truth that God offers that gives us grace to be saved. Amen? What if, Soma, look at us today, we're a little bit more diverse this morning in this second service. That's a beautiful thing. I look at us today and I look outside of this neighborhood where God has called us to be, right? Not just about the building. He calls us to be on mission inside the church where we serve each other. We serve our kids. We serve in hospitality. We serve in setting up. He calls us to that. Whatever it takes to get the, the church in a place where we can share the good news, but he also calls us outside of the four walls. And as I look at the community we have to ask the question, where are we seeing the community reflected in this body? We have some of our folk from the community. I praise God for that. I, I've even, we've even had a couple individuals who are here with us today that have professed Jesus. They heard the gospel, they heard the good news, and they received him as Lord and Savior. I pray that there will be more of our people reaching out who actually live in this community. Many of us live within a two-mile radius of where we are today, St. Clair Place, Irvington, Woodruff Place, downtown, Holy Cross, and all these other neighborhoods. Forgive me if I didn't call your neighborhood. Your neighborhood is included. Your neighborhood matters. But God has called us as the church, the ecclesia, the big C church to advance his kingdom, to grow his church. And if we're sharing the gospel, if lives are being transformed, then there should be joy in the city. If lives are being transformed, people should be busting down the door saying, I want to come into the house. I want some of Jesus. And we know how people are when they find something good. Come on. You go where good is. You wait in line for good. Go to Ikea and you wait overnight for good. And so if you can go to Ikea and wait overnight to get the gifts and the coupons, just for the sake of being their first guest in the house, boy, with that excitement, will we share the gospel and expect God to do greater work than the stuff you can get at Ikea? That he does greater work in the hearts of man, and they come shadowing these doors, and they testify of Jesus in Jesus' name, and they say, I was, I was born, I was once, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was lame, now I can walk. I was hungry, now I'm fed. If we see and experience that, and they go tell their friends, and they go tell their family members, and they go tell their work, their co-workers, then we ought to see people busting down the doors filling up the chairs, and then we ought to see Soma Downtown planning a Soma Downtown too. <laughs> All because more people are coming within this area. We're about planting churches, don't get me wrong. But the reality, if we, we go to third service, go to fourth service, go to five service, because the people are coming. Why? Because we're being obedient to God, and we're sharing the good news, and people are experiencing the power of God in their lives, and they're rejoicing. What's, as a result, what does that mean for us? We look at our demographics here in 46201. We see that this is a crime-infested, drug-infested neighborhood, high-crime area. My community, seven blocks west from here, where we live, right? And we, we see that. But if the church can be the light, if the church can be the change agent, then why don't we create opportunities to deal with the justice issues? And for those who are not able to work, because a number of them are stealing because they're trying to survive. Now, some are stealing because they're lazy. And I feel bad because I know one of our members, was, the car was broken into. 
get upset about that. But what about that same person if they came to faith and they say, oh, the Lord then changed my heart. I know there's a better way for me. Someone's giving me a chance. I'm a felon, but someone's giving me a chance to work a job so I can have a decent living. I'll stop stealing and start working. The church can be about that because God is about that, restoring people, changing people's lives. And we, then we get rid of the crime, not totally, but we deal with the crime issue. We don't see it as a thing. We see them as people who are, who are attacking, who are hurting, who are victims. What about the women who were exploited? We want to see their lives restored, hurting. You don't know all that they are going through, have gone through. And God has called the church. We have individuals in our, in our body, part of the MCs, and they support and pursue and work for restored. One of the many ministries that are targeted, that are working with, come alongside of women who have been exploited and abused. What if those women come to faith? I'm sure some of them are coming to faith. And they receive the power of God and they walk away from their old lives and, and they're coming into the house and they're going into the club and saying, baby girl, you don't have to do that anymore. Come on out of that house and come into God's house. And when that happens, people rejoice. People should be excited because God is at work. He's working in people's lives. What about the dropouts? They have a lot of them teen moms. What about that? What could God do for us through us? as this church, as we're faithfully, and serving, faithfully serving him, allowing him to use us to minister to the broken folk in our community. I want to wrap it up. Our city will flourish as a result of the church's responses to sharing the responses to sharing the gospel with neighbors and colleagues with the hope that the Spirit of God will draw them to himself. And their lives will be transformed. And there will be joy in our city for the glory of God. Not because Soma is doing it. Because we're only one body, one little C body. But because we as one little C body desire to allow God to use us, each of us, where we're planted, where we're on mission, where it may be hard for us to share with our colleagues, where it may be hard for us to share with our neighbors, where it may be hard for us to share with our enemies even. And I pray this would be, this would not be the case, that we don't share because our testimony isn't aligned with what God calls us to live, with the way he calls us to live. So we're afraid to share sometimes because we know that people think we're something else when we're not that. Let me rephrase that. It's when we are closet Christians. It's when we are when in certain places we kind of put our Savior to the back and say, Savior, take a break. I want to have some fun. And because of our reputation, we're afraid to share because people will say, oh, I didn't know you were one of them. I didn't know you were a believer. I thought you were with us. And let me tell you something. We all have stuff in our lives. We got junk in the trunk. We got stuff in the basement. We got stuff in the closet that we're wrestling with and we're struggling with. And God calls us to work 
God our salvation with fear and trembling. And no one has the right, no one should ever come to the place saying, I am better than you are, but simply be honest, I am a child of God, but I struggle. I have struggles in my life. I need the help of Jesus. And as he's helping me, he can help you too. So we can be transparent and not judgmental. That's what happens to folk who've been transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost, who've been transformed by the gospel and the Holy Spirit works through our, through our lives. Here's an application. Pastor Phil, this stuff is overwhelming. What do I do with this? We want to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So we have equipping classes. We talk about what is theology, how to share the gospel. Yeah, we do. And, and we have a Justice 101, formerly called Poverty 101. Listen, you don't have to know theology necessarily to share the gospel, okay? You don't have to use terms that people study for years and say, let me extra G, let me break this down. No, just simply say God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that he whosoever believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is what he's done for me, and this is how he's lived, he's worked it out in my life. Would you like some of that. Then I pray for you. That's it. Going across the street. Step across to the next cubicle. Going across the room. Going across the room. And simply engaging with people. More than just being, sharing the mercy. That's easy for many of us. And you are, we have MCs. I'm telling y'all, look, killing it, knocking it out the park. We're serving all out the city, y'all. We got four MCs, bona fide MCs, five of them downtown, just really taking care of business. I mean, seriously, praising God, right? And serving in various places. We got ministry leaders in the house doing awesome work. But my prayer, as we are sharing the mercy, that we get down to the business, share some message too. We have to share reasons why we have hope. We cannot deprive or hinder anyone from coming to the gospel because we don't feel comfortable sharing it. We have to share it. Yes, it's important to show it, to model it, but God calls us to speak the gospel, to share the gospel. Philip said that. He opened his mouth and he spoke the scriptures. Missional communities, great place to engage. Great place to be in community where people are serving, where you can be encouraged, and people praying for you being in a discipleship group be held accountable. So as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we're not, do, we're not doing it alone. And as we, were being, we are, as we are being refueled, we're able to go back out and serve in the places that God has called us. In closing, all this that God requires of us will only be done by his grace, by his might, by his power. Faithful is he who calls us, for he will also do it. He will do the work. He just calls us to obedience, calls us to trust him. Faith without works is dead. To trust him and allow him to use us, allow the spirit of God to breathe through us, to move through us for his glory. I pray that there's any of you in here who are not believers, and you've been thinking about what it means to, to know Jesus for a while, and you may have been coming here seeking, my prayer for you today is that today would be the day of salvation for you, that you will receive the good news, that God loves you, 
and he's calling you out. And I pray if the Holy Spirit is calling you out right now, that you would, as we are praying, that you would go on the other side of the pipe and drink and you would share with someone about your desire for Jesus, about your desire to know him as your Lord and Savior. I pray that that's the case. And for any of you who are feeling shamed or even condemned for whatever reason, and you need someone to affirm you, then I want you, I encourage you to go on the other side of the pipe and drink for prayer so you could be encouraged. No one wants you to leave here feeling overwhelmed, feeling dejected, and feeling like, gosh, I'm not doing a good job of serving you. Listen, God loves us, and he, he loves us. And when he reminds us of what we're not doing, it's because he loves us. Does that make sense? When he reminds us of what we're not doing, what we should do, it's because he loves us. It's an extension of grace. And we come to this part of our service where we take communion. And as we come to the table, it is a reminder that our lives have been transformed by the gospel. And we celebrate the salvation that we receive through Jesus. And we do that in taking this meal as we eat the bread and the juice. Here at Soma, we have four or five stations. Gluten-free station will be over here to my right. And if you just come and dip the, uh, the bread uh, or the chip or the, uh, the gluten-free in the, in the juice and you take it as you're sitting, sitting down, for those of you who are not believers, you do not name the name of Jesus today, we ask that you would refrain and that you stay, remain in your seat. But we, again, want to encourage you to go and ask for prayer. Ask someone if you're interested in knowing Jesus or you can be a part of this celebration that we experience every Sunday, that you can receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you for the preaching of your word. Thank you, more importantly, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is moving is alive, and Lord, is working in the hearts of your people. We thank you, Lord, for the written word. Thank you for the, the holy word. We pray, God, that you would help us to be people who receive your word and obey according to your will. Lord, help us to be a church that will reach the nations for your namesake. God, we pray that you would help us to confess our sins regularly and ask for mercy, Lord, as we desire to live more like you, that we come as broken folk in need of your salvation, needing your strength and your will to be done in our lives. And we ask that you would give us that help, Lord. We pray your will be done in this church and through this body. And for anyone who is wrestling with uh, what it means to be a, a Christian, I pray that you would move on them, that you would not give them rest until they respond to your call. Thank you and all, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.